Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I'm your host, Sam Waldron, one of the pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church of Owensboro, Kentucky, and the president of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Today we'll be considering again Chapter 3's teaching on the doctrine of election that we looked at last time and answering some common questions about it. During this podcast, I want to respond to a number of such questions. The first one is this. Can anyone be saved beside the elect? Now, the answer to this question, according to paragraph 4, is no. But we must not assume what that no means. The reason for this no is not that God actively prevents men from being saved, but because it's only by the grace of God, foreordained for men, and God's electing purpose that a man will ever come to earnestly seek salvation. Outside of electing mercy, in other words, no one wants to be saved. No one seeks to be saved. But what makes a difference, this is the second question, between those God ordains to life and those he leaves to death? And according to paragraphs 3 and 5 of the Confession, the difference is made by God's choice and grace. Because of original sin, all men are equally exposed to God's wrath. Nothing about them conditions God's choice of them or commends them to God's grace. It's God's choice which makes the difference then between those who will be saved and those who will be left to themselves in original sin to work out their destruction. The distinction between the elect and the non-elect is made by divine sovereignty, not divine justice. Another question How can we know if we are elect? We can know that we are elect by observing the fruits of election in our lives. Paragraph 6 says, As God hath appointed the elect unto glory, so hath he appointed by the eternal and most free purpose of his will, uh, foreordained all the means thereunto, wherefore they who are elected, being fallen in Adam, are redeemed by Christ, are effectually called unto faith in Christ, by his spirit working in due season, are justified, adopted, sanctified, and kept by his power through faith unto salvation. Neither are any other redeemed by Christ or effectually called, justified, adopted, sanctified, and saved, but the elect only. Here's the point. If we see faith in Christ, sanctification, perseverance in the Christian life, in our own cases, then they can be present in us only because of electing grace. Only elect people possess such things. And so if they are ours, we may be sure that we are elect. Another question is this. Is God's secret counsel and good pleasure of his will to be obeyed? Confession speaks of God's secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. But what does it mean by it? The will of God in Scripture may have reference to two distinct things. The phrase secret counsel and good pleasure of his will is a clear reference to what may be called God's decretive will, also known less clearly as God's secret or sovereign will. God's ethical demands upon us, his law, may be called his preceptive will. Now these two aspects of the divine will are distinct. The decretive will is what God has determined that he will do. The perceptive will is what God has commanded that man ought to do. The biblical basis for this distinction is stated most clearly in Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, 
but the things revealed to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. This distinction is also implied in Genesis 50.20. There it is clear that Joseph's brothers fulfilled God's decretive will in selling Joseph into Egypt. Yet in doing this, they sinned and violated, therefore, God's preceptive will. God's decretive will is not the rule of our conduct. Though in some situations, God's providence may have an indirect impact on our ethical responsibility, it's never the rule of our conduct. In fact, it's right to say that from one perspective, the decretive will of God is irrelevant for instructing us as to our duty to God. The rule of our conduct is God's law, his preceptive will. Now, this distinction is absolutely crucial if we are to avoid hyper-Calvinism. Often, for instance, it's been denied that faith in Christ is the duty of all men because God is not elected to give all men faith. This is, however, to make God's electing purpose, or his decretive will, the rule of our conduct, and this is a capital mistake. Faith is the duty of all men, regardless of whether they are elect or not. Another question is this. Is it true to say that the elect will be saved no matter what they do? Or to put this question a little more technically, are predetermined events dependent on human actions and other historical events for their occurrence? Now, the answer to these questions is contained partly in paragraph 1 and partly in paragraph 6. In answer to the second question, are uh, predetermined events dependent upon historical actions and historical events by men? Uh, The answer to that is Clearly, yes. Predetermined events are dependent on human actions and other events. According to paragraph 1, the contingency of second causes is not taken away. That is to say, the fact of there being the condition of later events is not taken away. As paragraph 6 makes clear, if God has foreordained the end, he has also foreordained all the means thereunto. Thus the elect will not be saved, no matter what they do, They will be saved in that way God has foreordained, and no other. Only this makes sense of Paul's statement that, quote, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2.10. Paul knew that if God has foreordained the end, he has also foreordained all the means thereunto. If he has ordained the elect to be saved, he has ordained all. Uh, the gospel to be preached to them. It must always be remembered that election and God's decree are simply God's plan. Plans, no matter how certain of fulfillment they are, must still be carried out. The blueprint is not the house, even if it's God's blueprint. The decree to save the elect is one thing. Their actual salvation is another. Ephesians 1.4 teaches that election is something that happens before the foundations of the world. Salvation, however, is something that happens during the history of the world.